0: are listening to the Akron Abide Bible Study Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Akron Abide. Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. And we are continuing our series entitled The Church at Philippi. We're looking at the Apostle Paul's letter written to the local church at Philippi, the church that he pastored around 10 years ago. It's known as a prison epistle because he wrote this while he was in prison. But even though he was in prison, we find out Paul didn't have stress. Paul didn't have worries. Paul had the peace of God. But we also find out that the church that he's writing to, even though they weren't in prison, they had stress, they had worries, and they did not really have the peace of God. And so the Apostle Paul writes to them on on how they can have this peace. And this is actually part two of our message on the pathway to peace. Last week, we looked at, the prescription to achieving peace, how to overcome stress, anxiety, and worry. And if you weren't here for that or uh, you haven't listened to it yet, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message because it applies really well into what we're covering today. And we looked at the prescription to peace last week. And the prescription of peace was found in verses six and seven of Philippians chapter number four. And so that being said, we're gonna open up by reading those two verses. The Bible says, beginning in verse six, be careful or be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto god and the peace of god which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through christ jesus in those two verses right there we discover the pathway to peace the way you and i can experience peace and you want to know what it is it's prayer going to God in prayer. God wants you to pray your worries away. He wants you to turn every care into a prayer. So the prescription is, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, and that equals the peace of God that passes all understanding. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything, peace of God that passes all understanding. And that's how we concluded last week's message that's what we looked at now by a show of hands how many of you tried that this week and instantly all of your stress all of your worries and all of your anxieties just went away and and all week long you've been floating on a cloud of peace just going throughout your day more than likely none of us right none of us experienced that but my question this morning is why not it's a promise from God right Verse seven is a promise, the peace of God passes all understanding if we pray about everything. So why aren't we experiencing peace? Well, there's a couple reasons, but the one that we're gonna look at today, there's more to the story. There's more to the story in Philippians chapter four. You see, this is part two of our message. We've only covered verses six and seven, but now we need to cover verses eight and nine. You see, it's not enough to simply have the right prescription. You also need the right perspective you need to follow the prescription, right? In other words, it's one thing to take the prescription once. It's one thing to pray once or to pray continually throughout the week, but it's another thing to do so day after day after day. It's kind of like this. A few years ago, I, I got strep throat. And so I went to the doctor and got some medicine and I started taking the medicine for a couple of days and then I felt pretty good. I was like, I don't need this medicine anymore. I threw it in the trash. Now, how many of you know you're not supposed to do that? You're supposed to continue to take the medicine. You want to know what happened? A couple weeks later, I got back, had strep throat tenfold, and I was so sick. So sick. Why? I needed to continue to take the prescription. And that's the same way with us in the Christian life, right? You must continually make the choice to follow the prescription. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. You see, the Christian life is not just about a one-time decision, but a continual series of choices that shape and mold our perspective and who we are. To say it this way, the Christian life is not a series of big things. It is a series of little things. It's about developing a habit of Christian practice and thinking. Having the right perspective. And that's what we're going to look at this morning in Philippians chapter 4, and verses eight and nine. So let's look at those two verses now. Philippians chapter four and verses eight and nine, the Bible says this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good reports. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, Do, and the God of peace shall be with you. In this passage of Scripture, in verses 8 and 9 of Philippians chapter 4, we find the Apostle Paul concluding what he's trying to say concerning peace and then instructing us on how to have this renewed perspective daily. And when we read this, we learn it all boils down to changing the way we think. It all boils down to the way we think about life, having the right perspective. And that's how Paul ends in verse eight. He says, think on these things. He wants us to think correctly. He wants us to think actively. He wants us to think properly. And that leads to the title of my message this morning. The title of my message is the power of proper thinking. Now don't get this confused with the power of positive thinking that's something entirely different. The power of proper thinking, it's biblical. It's thinking about things in light of the glorious gospel message of Jesus Christ. Thinking the way God wants us to think. And that's what we're gonna look at today. We're gonna look at our thought life today and how you and I can experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. And I've got three points concerning our thought life that I wanna look at in Philippians chapter four. And my first point is this. I want you to notice number one, the importance of thinking properly. The importance of thinking properly. You see, if we want to have the correct mindset and the correct way to to go through life, the correct thought process, we need to understand how important and how impactful our thought life is. And as we read verses eight and nine of our passage, we find a singular verb that really drives the text home. And this is important because In the Bible, the actions are always found in the verbs. And in these verses right here, we discover two verbs that stand out. In verse number eight, we see the word think. And in verse number nine, we see the word do. Look at the end of verse eight. The Bible says, think on these things. We're told to think correctly. We're told to think properly in verse eight. But now look at verse nine. The Bible says, those things which ye have both learned and received, and heard, and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. We're told there to think actively. So we see two words there. We see the word thank, and we see the word do. Those are the two verbs that drive these verses. And understand this now, both words are connected. You see, the call to thank in verse eight issues a call to do in verse number nine. In other words, learning to think leads you to knowing what to do, knowing what to do next. Thinking right leads to doing right. And that's so important in the Christian life because this really highlights the importance of proper thinking, the importance of correct thinking. I want you to know this morning, the way we think determines the way that we act. The way we think determines the way that we act because we become what we think. What we think, we then in turn do. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs 23 and verse 7, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right? The way we think determines the way that we act. Our mind is the control tower of our life. Our thoughts, our life is controlled by our thoughts. Henry Ford put it this way. He said, whether you think you can or not, you're right. And I would agree with that all that we achieve or fail to achieve is the direct results of what we think. And if you think about it, we are the sum total of our thoughts. Meaning if if we think negative, we will become negative. If we think positive, we will become positive. If we think of stressful thoughts, we will be stressed. And if we think of uplifting thoughts, we will be uplifted. Our thoughts on the inside determine our actions on the outside. And this is why the Bible puts so much emphasis on the mind. In fact, the form of the word mind is used over 1,000 times in the word of God. Now, why is that? Well, it's because God wanted us to understand the importance of proper thinking. And there are so many verses that talk about this. Philippians chapter two, we covered this. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We are to have the mind of Christ. Second Timothy 1 7, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. James 1 8, a double minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Romans twelve two and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. And then Romans 8 6, one of my favorite verses, for to be carnally minded, For to be worldly-minded is death, but to be spiritually-minded is life and peace. All of those verses point to the fact that our thoughts control our life. The battle is in the mind, and therefore, we cannot change our lives until we change our thoughts. Hey, if you want to accomplish God's plan for your life, if you want to live the life beyond amazing, the abundant life that God has in store for you, that blessed life, that life of purpose, the only way to accomplish that is changing the way you think, renewing your mind, as the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, in verse 2, because what we think about will ultimately define us. One author explained this concept in these terms they said, whatever you hold in your mind will tend to occur in your life. If you continue to believe as you have always believed, you will continue to act as you have always acted. And if you continue to act as you have always acted, you will continue to get what you have always gotten. If you want different results in your life, all you have to do is change your mind. Hey, to change your life, it takes changing your thoughts, changing the way you think, changing your perspective. Are you thinking about yourself and your circumstances as a non-Christian Or are you looking at life through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What God sees, God's true view of the situation. That's what we're supposed to put our thoughts on. But how do we do that? How can we change the way that we think? Well, that brings me to my next point today. We looked at the importance, but now I want to look at the command. The command to think properly. And understand this now, Paul doesn't end here simply at a philosophical level. Right, He doesn't just say, you think, therefore you are, and then leave it at that. No, he's actually challenging this refrain. You see, we live in a society that says, hey, you can't tell me what to think. But Paul is saying, no, let let me tell you what to think. Let me tell you what to think about. This is the way to victorious living. Look at verse 8 again. He gives us a list. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good reports. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. You look at that word think and it means to concentrate, to calculate or to meditate on, to dwell on these subjects. And the verb think is in the imperative, meaning it is a command. It is a command found in the word of God. You and I as Christians today, we are commanded to think, carefully, to think righteously, and to think selectively, to focus on these things here. And man, I love how Paul works when giving these instructions, because notice, he doesn't tell us what not to think. No, that would be counterintuitive, because when we are told not to do something, we instantly think about what we aren't supposed to do, right? For instance, whatever you do, don't you dare think about llamas wearing pajamas, Don't do it. Now, how many of you thought about llamas wearing pajamas in that moment? Right? We all did, right? Because it doesn't work. When somebody tells you not to do something, instantly your mind goes to doing it. I know a lot of pastors who do that. Hey, don't do this. All it does is lead them to do that. Right? But Paul doesn't focus on that. Paul focuses on the positive. He doesn't tell us what not to think. No, he tells us what to think. He says, think on these things. Here's what you should set your mind upon. He focuses on the positive, not the negative. And I love that, and I I think that's so important because what you focus on will grow. What you choose to focus on will grow, and you're like, what you water will grow. If you fill your thoughts with guilt, you wanna know what will happen? Guilt will begin to grow. You fill your thoughts with worry, worries will begin to grow. But if you fill your thoughts with love, hey, your love will begin to grow, your love for others, your love for Jesus. What you choose to focus on begins to grow. And understand this now, we are the gardener of our thoughts and we can choose what we water. We can choose what we fill our minds with. Now, we can't always control the thoughts that come over our head, but we can choose what to dwell on, what to meditate on, what to think about in that way. And as we read this verse, we find eight subjects Paul wants us to focus on. Eight things that he wants us to ponder. We are to think about what we think about. And he says, you need to think about these eight things. And I just gotta say, man, these messages are for me, first and foremost. And this message, as I'm studying this, and as I'm reading and studying the scriptures, you talk about somebody that was so convicted at the way I was living the Christian life. Dude, I fell so short in these eight things. So as I preach today, understand this message is for me. But Paul tells us to focus on these eight things. And the first thing that he wants us to focus on is true things. He says, think on things that are true. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true. Now you look up that word in the Greek and you wanna know what it means? It means something genuine, real, or authentic. Authentic Christianity. Real Christianity. And it's speaking of things that are the opposite of false. It's true. And the application for us as Christians is clear. As Christians, we should be people who are constantly dwelling on the truth. Constantly dwelling on real, genuine, authentic things. Now let me ask you, what's truth? Well, the Bible says God's word is truth. John 17, 17, sanctify them with truth. Thy word is truth. So in application, what are we supposed to focus on? The things that are in line with the word of God. Anything that's contrary to the truth found in the scriptures, don't focus on it. Focus on the truth found in the word of God. You think yourself worthless? Hey, the Bible says you're valuable. You think yourself pathetic? The Bible says you're victorious. It's thinking on the true things found in the word of God. That's what you need to dwell on. And that's number one. He says, whatsoever things are true. But then number two, he says, think on honorable things. He says, think on true things and then honorable. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest or honorable. And you look at that word honorable and it means noble, dignified, or respectful. Things of respect. And and it represents that which is of high morality. All right. And in other words, we must think about things that lift us up, not pull us down. Like Colossians says, set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth, right? We are to get our minds out of the gutter and onto God, right? That's the the point there. Dr. David Jeremiah defined it this way. He said, our thoughts should include only that which is worthy of God. I found that powerful. Let me ask you, are your thoughts that you have throughout the day, throughout the week, are they worthy of God? Are they worthy for God to hear? How would you feel if God sat beside you listening to your thoughts throughout your day? Probably not very good. I'm preaching to myself here. But I hate to break it to you guys. Distance makes no difference. God knows your thoughts. He is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. He knows what we are thinking. He knows what we're going to think before we even think it. And therefore, we should ponder, meditate on the honorable. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. And then number three, we are to think on just things. Whatsoever things are just. Now, you look up that word and it means that which is upright or that which is righteous. Righteous thinking, and it deals with thinking about things that are just and righteous, both by divine and human standards. And more specifically, the word is indicating to us that we are to think about things that would cause us to do right by others. In other words, instead of thinking with bitterness, we think with forgiveness. Instead of thinking selfishly, we think servicely. We think with a heart of serving others. We think with a heart of forgiveness, a heart of care for others. And you want to know what, what happens when we do that? When we think about those things, eventually we do those things. And we can show people the light of Jesus. We are to think on things that are just. That's number three. And then number four, we are to think on pure things. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are honorable, and then whatsoever things are pure. That word pure comes from the root word holy, holiness, or sanctification. And this term describes something that is free from immoral impurities. And it's often used in the context of resisting sexual temptation. That's the point there. And that's really the context here in the church of Philippi, because they were dealing with a lot of wicked things in the city of Philippi. It was filled with a lot of sexual temptations. And he's saying, no, focus on things that are pure. And the point is, we are to fill our minds with whatever is morally pure. We should think about whatever is wholesome, whatever is virtuous and and unstained by corruption. All right? Dr. Stephen Lawson, in his commentary, he said this, and I found it very powerful too. He said, there should be censorship in every Christian mind. We don't just let everything go through our mind. No, we need to have some censors up right, some filters up in our life. And that's so important, and and we need to remember that. And the reason why he puts such an emphasis on this is because garbage in equals garbage out. Good fruit in equals good fruit out. What you think will eventually turn into what you do. Whatsoever things are pure, that's number four. Number five, whatsoever things are lovely. You and I, we are to think on lovely things. That word lovely speaks of that which is pleasing, that which is attractive and beautiful, which reflects ethical beauty. And this word refers to the beauty of holiness as opposed to the hideousness of sin. And it represents that which is sweet, gracious, and generous. All right, and it's important for you to to find these things to dwell on. A good example for that is for me to dwell, to think about my lovely, my beautiful, my gorgeous wife. That's what I can think about. Now, don't you dare think about my wife in that way. (laughs) Only I get to think about my wife in that way, but think on things that are lovely. Whatever is lovely is that which is beautiful in the eyes of God. Think about that. Think about those things. Whatever is lovely, that's number six, or number five, and then number six, think on reputable things. Think on things with good repute. Think on things that are of good report. That's what it says there. Whatsoever things are of good report. Good report means to be highly regarded, to be commendable. And the idea here refers to whatever is well spoken of by God. It deals with something that is morally attractive. It is that which is highly respectable in the eyes of God. One definition described it this way. It's talking about things and thinking about things that are worth thinking about you know a lot of times we think about things that really aren't worth thinking about it doesn't do any benefit to us he's saying no focus on the things that are of good reports that's number six number seven think on virtuous things and i found this interesting once we get to point number seven we find the apostle paul really getting to the bottom line and, and basically summarizing what we're to think on he's like i could go on and on giving you all these things to think about but basically you want to know what you think about you need to think about virtuous things That's what he says. Whatsoever things are virtuous, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. The idea of virtue there means mental virtue or mental excellence. And the point that Paul is trying to make is, only that which reflects high moral standards should dominate our thinking. It's going back to what he's referenced thus far, the first six subjects mentioned. Virtuous things are true things. Virtuous things are pure things. Virtuous things are just things. He's saying, focus on those things. That's number seven. Then number eight, he wraps up by saying this. Focus on praiseworthy things. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And I love that word praise there. I think that's so cool because this word encompasses whatever is or can be praised by God. It means we should think about whatever should be applauded in the presence of God. So ask yourself, would this be applauded by God? Would this be something that he would be excited about and rejoice about? If it's not, don't think on it, right? Lovely things, things of good report, all of those things. He's summarizing the first six subjects mentioned and he's saying, hey, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, I want you to think on these things. And I love how Paul concludes this sentence. All right, we've covered these eight subjects so far, but, but look how he closes. I think this is so cool. He says, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good reports, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Meditate on these things dwell on these things. But notice this now. He waits till the very end of the sentence to give the command. He doesn't say think on these things to start and then give the list. He gives the list first. And then he says, think. And I believe there was a reason for that. I believe the Apostle Paul had a purpose. You see, grammatically, this verb is a present imperative which means that the text commands us to constantly examine the things we expose our minds to by asking questions. In other words, we should continually put our minds to the test here. When a thought pops into our mind, we should ask ourselves these questions. Hey, is it true? Is this thought honorable is this thought just, is it pure, is it lovely, is it commendable, is it virtuous, is it praiseworthy? Every single thought we have, we back it up with this, and if it doesn't align with those eight things, we cast it down, we shut the computer, we change the conversation, right? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, everything that goes contrary to what's found in those eight things, contrary to what's found in the word of God, he says, cast it down and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We are to bring every single thought into the obedience of God's word. Bring every thought captive. Now, do you want to know how many thoughts you and I have a day? On average, and this can be different for different people, 70,000 thoughts a day. And we are told to bring every thought and put it to this test here. Now you can say, Michael, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't know if I can do that. Well, I didn't say it was easy, but the results speak for itself. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Do You want that peace that passes all understanding, the presence of God in your life. Hey, it takes holding those thoughts captive, going in line with the word of God. The results speak for itself now if, if you think the test is too hard I got good news for you Paul didn't leave us empty-handed no he actually gives us an example to follow to help us out so we're not overwhelmed when we look at this in verse 8 and that brings me to my third point I want you to notice the way to think properly and this is how he closes the context in verse number 9 he says those things which he have both learned and received and heard And seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. The example to follow is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is giving us two things there. Number one, he's giving us hope because he's saying, Look, I did it. The same Holy Spirit that's in you is the same Holy Spirit that's in me. I'm over here in prison. I'm over here struggling. I'm over here about to die, but I've got peace that passes all understanding, buddy. But I'm no different than you are. I can do it. And that means you can do it. He gives us an, a, a, an example of hope, but, but he also teaches us how to live the Christian life based on what he did. You see, as the Philippians strive to think properly, they are to look to Paul and emulate him, follow him. And in doing so, this will help them think right and this will help them do right. And the same thing goes for us, guys. In verse 9, Paul gives us five ways to put his teachings into practice. Don't get overwhelmed, follow these five things and you're on your way to thinking right. And so to close today, we're gonna look at five practical ways on how to do this. Five ways to think properly according to the Apostle Paul. And a lot of this is gonna be application, but it's all found right here in verse nine. The first thing that we need to do, we need to take heed to the preaching at our local church. Take heed to the preaching of God's word in your local church. Look at what he says in verse nine. He says, those things which ye have learned. Now this refers to what Paul had taught them and preached to them in Philippi. What you've learned of me. Remember, Paul was their pastor. Paul was their pastor for a good while discipling them and training them and and preaching to them. And he's focusing on that sound doctrine there. He's saying, hey, I taught you these things. I taught you how to live the victorious Christian life. I taught you these things through the word of God. Now you remember that, meditate on it and follow that. That's what Paul's saying there. And this underscores the importance for every Christian to sit under sound biblical teaching and preaching just as the Philippians. And this one's a hard one for me to give as point number one because I'm a pastor. And so I'm basically saying, hey, come to church, right? But I want you to know, I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor. All right, I'm saying this because it's found in the word of God and the Bible makes this very clear. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our faith grows, our faith develops. We begin to think properly, think correctly, think actively when we hear God's word. And we know that's in preference or in reference, I should say, to the preaching because a couple verses earlier, he says, how shall they hear without a preacher? We need to listen to the preaching and teaching of the word of God in our church. And and I just got to say, man, in many ways, I've learned more at church than I ever did at seminary. I have a bachelor's degree in theology and I'm working towards my master's. I've learned more practically and spiritually at church than I ever did in seminary. I learned a lot of theological things in seminary, but not the things that really helps me live the Christian life like I have in church when a pastor opens up this bible and starts preaching and the holy spirit starts affecting right that's number one listen to your preaching listen to the preaching in your local church doesn't have to be me doesn't even have to be this church whatever god leads you but but come to church listen to the preaching that's number one number two study the scriptures on your own you want to think properly it takes studying the scriptures on your own it's not enough just to attend church on sundays guys it's not enough that's a good start That helps you, but we are told to study personally ourselves. It takes practice. It takes growing in the Christian life. And and this is what Paul says in verse 9. I think this is really cool. He says, those things which you have both learned, and then he says, and received. What you have received from me. What does this refer to? It refers to the epistle that he just delivered to them. He gave them a list of things on how to live the victorious Christian life. They just received it. Epaphroditus brought it to them. They're reading it as a church congregation now. And he's saying, hey, follow that. Think about that. And the point is, the application is for us, let's study what is found in the word of God. Not just at church, not just what the pastor says, but let's study on our own. Dude, that'll help you so much. I can't tell you how amazing it is to read the word of God, God's love letter, to his sons and daughters and cracking it open and have the Holy Spirit speak to you right there. And you might start reading it and be like, man, I don't understand this, this is so hard, I don't know what to do, but eventually you'll start remembering the things that you have read that you didn't understand. It'll start to click and it will help you so much. Study the scriptures personally, that's number two. Number three, learn from the experiences of others learn from other people, not just what's found in the word of God, that's good, we can learn from the heroes of the faith as Hebrews chapter 11 says, but there's a lot of heroes of the faith throughout history, throughout life, people in this church today, you guys that I look up to and and you might look to me, learn from the experiences of others. There's a lot of wise people today that can help you and that's what we see in verse nine, the Bible says those things which you have both learned and received and heard. This refers to what they heard about the apostle Paul. Remember now, the Apostle Paul was a local celebrity based on how he was handling the situation in Rome. Paul's in prison. His situation isn't looking good. But what happened? He had peace. He had joy. And so people were getting saved and coming to Jesus by the hundreds because of the reputation and the way Paul held himself. And he's saying, hey, you've heard this about me. You've heard how I'm living this life. Learn from that. And it's a good application for us. Let's learn from the experiences of others. Number four, again, this is a weird one, but it's found right there. Watch your spiritual leaders, whoever that may be, spiritual mentors, people that you look up to in the faith, not just a pastor, anybody. Look how he closes in verse nine. He says, those things that you have both learns and receives and heard and seen in me. Paul says they should practice what they've seen in him. This points to the things that Paul modeled back when he was with them, how he held himself, how he lived, and how he went through the Christian life as their pastor. It deals with what they directly observed in Paul's life. They were to remember how he walked in the faith, how he handled himself, and how he acted and reacted. In every situation, this was an aid for them in living the Christian life. And a good example for this, watch people. Watch how they live their life. And I pray that you have good Christian mentors and leaders that that are living right, but watch them. Hey, I give you permission. Watch how I live my life. I'm gonna slip up. I'm gonna fail. I'm gonna make mistakes, but you're gonna watch how I pick myself up and keep going and that can motivate you because I'm gonna fail you. I'm gonna fail me, right? But watching other spiritual leaders will help you so much. That's number four. And then number five, and I'm done. Go and do likewise. Do all these things that the Apostle Paul just said. He says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Go and do likewise. The call to think in verse eight issues a call to do in verse nine. You should be okay with people watching you. And to summarize it this way, to to send this home with you, you wanna know what it boils down to? It boils down to two things. Think to yourself, what would Jesus think? And then what would Jesus do? Think the way Jesus thinks. Live the way Jesus lived.